Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Um, it's been a um, it's been a little while since I've been up here, and every time I come up here, I'd like to give you a little bit of an update of uh, what's going on in my life. Um, I uh, recently, um, well, I'm kind of jobless right now, and it's like this transition time between ending a, a, my last job and starting a, a new job, and um, uh, it's, been, it's been nice. It's been nice because I've had some extra time. Um, I've been spending more time with the family and going on you know, road trips and things of that nature. Um, one of the things that um, got me started to think about this sermon was, um, I don't know if you saw, uh, saw in the recent news, there was uh, that, those uh, images from the James Webb uh, telescope uh, that they put into the, you know, like took like $3 billion and three space agencies coordinating together in many, many years um, to put a satellite into space. And um, there's this uh, very fancy uh, infrared camera or infrared telescope or whatever they're using. And uh, most importantly, um, the pictures are available uh, to the public. You can, you can download them. And so then when I started to see these pictures, I was just like, this is so amazing. This is so cool. And I immediately, in my brain, am, I'm not thinking about anything else, right? I'm not, I was like, I'm, I'm gonna, uh, I need to print these. These are, these are images that are incredible. So not only print them, I'm going to print them on metal. On a print, I'm gonna send them to a metal print. I'm gonna enlarge them as large as I can. And then my idea was, I'm just gonna stick them in my hallway. And so I immediately download these pictures, the highest resolution that I could find. I sent them to Costco, and then I get these, and I tell, I tell my wife, I'm like, hey, I, I, I got these pictures. And she's like, uh-oh, what, what do you mean, pictures? And I'm like, I got this great idea. They're like these pictures of like, you know, the, the, the galaxies, millions of galaxies, and an exploding star, and like these Stevens Quintet, and all these other things, and then... She's like, uh, okay, where do, you, where do you want to put them? And I'm like, I'm going to put them in the hallway. She's like, uh, I don't know if I like that. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like the most amazing thing in the world. Anyway, um, we, were, we had a, uh, uh, they're now in the bonus room, um, <laughs> not uh, away from, if you ever come to my house, you'll be able to see, um, I think, just incredible. There's a grain, it's like a grain of sand that they focused on in, in the sky. And if you, and, and they focused on it for, I don't know, however many, however many minutes or hours or whatever, and there are like a million galaxies in, the, in, this, in this picture. And if you look very closely at this picture, you'll see all these like spiral galaxies and these different galaxies in there. And I was just like, oh man, it's just, um, when I look at that, I, I, I see, um, it's just how I, I think about how small I am in, in the grand scheme of things and how big the universe is. And, um, you know, um, my, my wife, of course, you know, she gave me a, um, she's like, tell, she gave me a, like, a, like a meme or something like, she's like, this, this is you. And she said, 
tell me your husband's a scientist without telling me he's a scientist. This, this is what you do here. And I'm like, yes, this is what I do. I'm always looking for things um, in nature as it connects to things spiritually. Um, I feel like that is my calling. I'm at this intersection where I've been trained very scientifically to think very logically and rationally. But at the same time, I have this background uh, growing up reading this book. And, I, and, and I, how can I reconcile those two things together? And I'm always thinking in that manner. And um, there are two sort of fundamental concepts that... Um, that when I came to know them, I really had a jump in my understanding of things, not only of myself, but of the natural world. And it's these two intersecting principles, or these two concepts, that when I continue to think about them, they like continue to give. They continue to um, stimulate my mind. I continue to see them everywhere. Not only in my life, not only on my own personal life, but on a, like, a, like a global scale and a cosmic scale, I, 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 uh, I see these things, these two concepts. And these two concepts, uh, you probably, if talking to me, maybe have heard, uh, maybe, you know, maybe you heard both of them, but they're very um, simple, and I would tell them to you, and... Um, and then we're going to go into two Bible verses that support these concepts, and then we'll talk about uh, maybe some applications. Okay, so it's 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 you know if you can if you can just get those two concepts, two two or so Bible verses, one Bible verse for each concept, and um, some applications of what this might mean. Um, let's pray, dear Lord. We thank you so much for this time. Um, we're gathered here to, uh, to be inspired by you, to have a morsel of bread, of spiritual bread for our souls. We're here to be filled. We're here to know more about you, Lord. Please speak into the individual circumstances of our lives. Please help us to apply what is said here into our life, Lord, and speak to us. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so the first uh, concept um, is a very simple phrase, and it's life is a cycle. Life is a cycle. And um, I don't know how many times, um, I have to thank Cheryl for this verse in Genesis uh, 1.14 that she probably said to me at least seven times before I really grasped what this verse meant. And Genesis 1.14, in the very first book of the Bible, in Genesis 1.14, it says this, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day and the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and for years. And you think about that, you can probably just gloss that over and go to the next verse, but you really have to just meditate upon what this is saying to you. There is, there is lights. He set up a pattern, and that pattern is essentially cyclical, right? 
There are seasons, there are days, there are cyclical, in cos cosmologically speaking, we live in a cyclical kind of pattern, right? We have yearly cycles, we have 24-hour cycles, we have biannual cycles, we have cycles everywhere in nature. And get this, we also have in our own bodies cycles. Uh, one of the, probably one of the best uh, uh, projects or works or papers that I, I had the privilege of writing about was published uh, right as I was graduating in a, in, a, in a nature subsidiary journal, which is like big time in my field. And I was so proud of this article and this, and this um, you know, probably three people have read it, you know, and <laughs> my advisor and me and somebody else. But anyway, I was extremely uh, happy and proud when um, I came across a certain results and, and I was studying the natural cycles of uh, an animal as it pertains, obviously, to the cycles of humans. And um, I would have these animals living in a room and um, I would have the lights, um, I dictated when the lights would go on and off. So they would come on, I think, at, uh, I changed it to 9 a.m. and then to 9 p.m. It was a 12-12 cycle, light-dark cycle. And when you uh, see the rhythms of these animals, um, you initially, when you put them in, um, they're all kind of sporadic. But after about five or six days, they begin to what's called entrain to the lighting environment. Uh, what that means is that they have a fancy word and the light in the environment is a zeitgeber, what they call a zeitgeber. It's a time giver. It sets your cycles. Now you think about that. The light in your life is a zeitgeber. The light in your life is a time giver. It sets your cycles. And I fully intend that that feels like a pun to me. It feels like a double meaning, right? The light in your life, the spiritual light in your life sets your cycle. And it sets your rhythms. When I was doing this project, I... Um, I, there is a, I just, you know, everybody, knew, everybody knows this. There's a certain part of the brain that is like a master clock in your brain. And if you mess that up, it messes up all the other small little tiny clocks. You have a clock in your stomach, in your liver, in different parts of your brain. They elicit different stuff in different parts of the day. And it's all synchronized by this master clock. And... Um, uh, so the paper was about, basically, as, as we all know, there are things that can mess up your cycle. If you've ever been in a situation where you, like for me last night, I, um, I couldn't sleep for whatever reason, and I'm just sitting there, and you're supposed to be sleeping, but your mind is active. Uh, your rhythms are off. Like something about your cycle is not right. You're hungry when you're not supposed to be hungry. You eat when you're supposed to be fasting. Like these are when, these are indications to you that your cycle is off. And this can result in a lot of uh, uh, tiredness and pain and suffering. You, your body can feel it. Um, 
And so uh, when I, uh, in these animals, I introduced a, a, a kind of a stressor in their life. And I found that it messed up all their rhythms. But what was interesting about it was it is not just any kind of stressor. The stressor that I introduced, the rats, a group of rats, there was a group of rats that were, was able to control the stressor. And they had what I dubbed perceived control over that stressor. The second group of rats, they didn't have any Control. They didn't feel like they had any control over this kind of stressor. And what's interesting is be, even though these two groups of rats had the same amount and the same duration of stress, the perception of that stressor had a very different impact on their cycles. Interestingly enough, that Although the, the, the light in your environment sets your cycles, there are things in your life that always try to move you and disturb you away from that cycle. But the important thing is, is what is your perception of that, of that stressor? Because the perception of that stressor will dictate how it will control your cycle. There are cycles in nature. There are cycles in your body. And, but I'm not really here to talk about the importance of physiological cycles in your body or the lack of uh, if, there is a, if, there is a, um, if you're off cycle, but to understand your spiritual cycle. The context and understanding of Genesis 1.14 is that it says that let the, let the heavens divide the day and the night and let them be for signs. And that's the key word, signs. And I looked up this word for signs and it's mentioned only one other time in Isaiah. Isaiah 8.18 and it says, while I wait for God as long as he remains in hiding, I'm, re I'm reading from the Message Bible. While I wait and hope for him, I stand my ground in hope. I and the children of God gave me as signs to Israel, warning signs and hope signs. And I think about it and you think, why did God set up our own bodies and our own life, even cosmically speaking, into a cycle? And you think about it and you're like, if it wasn't a cycle, then nothing of the past has no relevance in the future. But if it's a cycle, there is a predictive element to, to a cycle. You can expect certain things in certain seasons. There are, in other words, in Isaiah it says there are guiding posts. There are warning signs. There are hope signs. There are things in your life that you can look at and through your perception... You can see them, this is a sign. This is a warning sign. This is where I'm at in my cycle. The great thing about a cycle is that when you perceive that you are in one and that you know what is coming next, you automatically think, wow, 
God has put this in there for me. He is looking out for me. He knows me. This is, this is what he has put in my life. Not only do signs give direction, but they are there to prevent you from falling into danger and to give you hope. There are tons of people. Um, I once had this discussion um, where I had, you know, when you're in your 20s, you kind of ask yourself, who am I? Like, what am I going to do? Like, you know, what is my purpose? Those, those kinds of questions. And I asked the pastor one time, I said, I, you know, I have these questions about myself. I don't really know what I want to do, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, you know, find someone in the Bible that's going through a similar cycle like you. And you can see if you look at that if you look at that person and his life, you get to see how God interacts in that life and the choices that he makes. And then that person then becomes something that, you, that will play out in your own life. I thought, now, if you wanna have specific advice for the things that you're going through personally right now, that's the kind of advice I would give, to search for someone here in the word that is going through something specific that you're going through. But there is one common element in everybody's Christian spiritual cycle that is common to everyone. And it is the struggle and the tension um, between God and Satan. The struggle does not usually play itself out in this like active war, but it's, it's, uh, it, it plays out in your life and the individual decisions that you make. Paul describes this struggle as between the flesh and the spirit. It's also symbolically represented in the desert experience of the Israelites, where there is this tension, where there is a desert, they're wandering through there. There's also this uh, like it's outlined in stories like geopolitically between the marriage between King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. There's this fight between like King Ahab and what he wants to do and Queen Jezebel always trying to influence him to do other things. There's also this idea of the mixing of the holy and the unholy. There is this, um, in Ezekiel chapter eight, you'll find that there's written about these abominations that are found in the temple. A temple is supposed to be a holy place, a place where God exists, a place where you go to God and you have the unholy, the abominable going into that place. And this is a common, common theme in the Bible that you will experience this kind of struggle. In, in our... Um, in our adult Sabbath school lesson where the theme is the crucible. And um, what's interesting about this is that, um, you know, periodically uh, uh, my mom will call me and she'll be like, hey, are you uh, reading the lesson, uh, lesson? you know? And, and I was like, she called me uh, about three weeks ago and she's like, hey, you know, it's about the crucible. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I don't, um, I don't know if you know this, but my, um, my email address is crucible something, something, something. <laughs> I don't know if I want to display it to the world here. But anyway, it starts with crucible something, something, something. And, um, 
I, I chose this word, and, and, and um, my mom was asking me, like, hey, did you, did you choose this word? Because back when, you know, did, was I that hard on you? Was your life like a crucible? And, 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 and I was like, no, mom, I actually was reading The Crucible by Arthur Miller in middle school, and I, I really, uh, I, I love that play, or was it a book or play? I don't remember. And um, I, I made my, my email address that. And, and, and she's like, oh, really? You know, and then we got into this very long discussion about how she was telling me, like, you know, I think I was too hard on you, and I think I did all these things. I'm like, mom, no, it's fine, you know? Um, I, I, I don't have any kind of resentment or anything like that. But the crucible experience is a common experience in the Christian cycle. If you haven't experienced already, then you will in your life. And there are, uh, uh, I guess, many instances where I feel like I was in a crucible, but one in particular that I remember um, so strongly that sort of altered the course of my life was uh, an experience while I was in college and I had um, gone away from God to a certain extent and I was immersed in a lot of different things in college. And one of those things was athletics. And I was really into uh, ultimate Frisbee. And I, uh, it was my goal to be on the starting O-line. And that was, that was the goal. And you know, ultimate Frisbee, you guys might not know things about it, but if you're in ultimate Frisbee, you kind of know, like everybody knows, you know, ultimate Frisbee players and who's playing what. And to this day, like, some of my friends still play for some professional ultimate Frisbee teams, which is, like, very, very strange. But anyway, it's like, I don't know how they're playing. Uh, they play in these, like, age brackets of over 35 or 40 or something because they can't hang with the 20-year-olds. But anyway, um, when, I was, when I was that, I, I was very into that. And we would... Um, we would exercise every day. We'd have a good group of guys. We'd go running every morning. Um, we'd lift. And um, my first, uh, uh, one of my first games out um, in Minnesota, there is lots of wind. And so I think that's why, I don't know, I think in Minnesota breeds the best ultimate players because you have to deal with that wind. And you have to orient your disc a certain way to actually fly. And um, anyway, I was, there was this disc that was coming up, and um, you know when you're beginning, nobody, nobody will throw to you. Like, nobody will throw to me, except for my, I made a friend who was a really good thrower, and he's the only person that'll throw to me. And so <laughs> I was in a game, and he, I saw his eyes, and I'm like, oh, this is it. You better do it. And then he's like, yep. Yep, I'm doing it. And he comes up and he's just blasted the disc. And I'm like, turned around. I don't even know where the disc is. I'm blasting full on down. And um, I, I, um, I, I saw the disc on the side of my eye. And that is the moment that you should grab it. Because if you don't do it at that moment, then the disc is faster than you. Uh, it, especially if in wind. It'll just sail past you. 
So anyways, I saw it on my end, and I just, I just whoop, and, I, and I took off. I was in the air, and I was like, I had this moment of um, getting the goal and, and, you know, the praise, and, and it just went whoosh, right off my hands, and then I presently, and then I slid in about uh, 10 feet of duck geese, just all the way. And I had duck geese from my face all the way down to my legs. And I just, I was so distraught. I came to the sideline and there was a guy, um, there was a guy who, um, you know, he was a very tall guy, actually. He was about six, seven. And he's like, yeah, you'll, you'll get some sometime. You'll, you'll get it next time, right? And I felt, I felt really bad. But um, during this time, I was so into it, um, I, um, I broke my collarbone, and then I made the mistake of not healing it properly. So I started working out like two weeks after I broke my collarbone, which is really bad. So my bone didn't heal properly. And so I have this like non-union in my collarbone. And then about two months after that, when I finally made it, I tore my ACL, and then I had to have surgery. So then after that, I was in my hotel, uh, hotel, I was in my dorm room, and I was taking um, way too many opiates, and I was, I was not in a good space mentally and physically. I was just, I was in this crucible, and I had, I had started like asking the question, why is this happening to me? And I slowly realized that the decisions that I had made had come to this point. And I really wanted to change something about my life. And at that moment in time, I, um, I decided, you know what? I need to come back to God. I need to come back to God. And this kind of was the, 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 the genesis of how I, um, I spent time in the, uh, after graduation, I spent about five years in the Philippines, uh, being there and experiencing God and being part of a school. But I would tell you, that that experience was not fun. And Elizabeth would tell you that too, right? <laughs> that the crucible, going through the crucible, no one can give you advice on it or explain it to you. Or, or you know, it, it's very, very difficult. But you will go through it. And in that moment in time, um, I think the important thing is, is that you turn around and that you come back to him. And you say, I made a mess in my life. This is where I am, but I'm coming back. I'm coming back. There's a, there's a second concept that is related to this. Um, and I didn't really have any elegant way to state this. So the best thing that I can come up with was... Um, we are made to participate in a flow from God through us to others. That's a whole lot of language. But I'll tell you what I mean. In Isaiah 55.10, and this is the second verse, okay, Genesis 1.14 was the first one, that life is a cycle, that you are in a cycle, even physiologically, internally, externally, cosmologically, you're in a cycle. And the cycle is purposeful. It's intentional because God has signposts for you. The second one is Isaiah 55.10, and it says this, For the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. 
So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So you think about this verse in Isaiah, and the picture of it is you see all this rain or snow coming down on mountaintops. Then it's melting and forming streams and rivers. Then those rivers go on by and feed the plants, right? And then they feed, the animals come, they eat the plants, right? And then it feeds the trees, the trees take in CO2, it gives us oxygen. We also, we eat food from the plants, then our byproducts get eaten by bacteria and other things. It's like this perfect, it's like this symbiotic relationship where there's always a give and a take. You take things, but you give things. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's found, and you think it's, it's found in nature, and it also points to and suggests that your purpose in life is to be involved in this type of ministry to take and to give, to take and to give. And if you look at this concept one step deeper, you realize that maybe your whole function is to take and to give, and that there is nothing here that is self-generated. There is nothing here that is caused here. You actually just respond to what you have been inspired by. You begin to realize, and you think about this, even in when I think about the brain, I think we never talk about the brain in terms of causation. We always start with the unit, and they're like, all this job of this neuron is to do is to bring in, take these signals, and spit out another signal. Take and give, take and give, take and give. And this is your fundamental purpose. <coughs> Excuse me. E.G. White has this beautiful quote in Desire of Ages where she summarizes this exact Bible verse. She says this, There is nothing save the selfish heart of man that lives unto itself, no bird that cleaves the air, no animal that moves on the ground, but ministers to some other life. There is no leaf of the forest, no lowly blade of grass, but has its ministry. Every tree and shrub and leaf pours forth that element of life without which neither man nor animal could live. And man and animal, in turn, minister to the life of tree, shrub, and leaf. The flowers breathe fragrance and unfold their beauty in blessings to the world. The sun sheds its light to gladden a thousand worlds. The ocean, itself the source of all springs and fountains, receives the streams from every land, but takes to give, that's the, that's, the key sent, that's the key phrase here, takes to give. The mist ascending from the bosom fallen showers to water the earth that it may f- bring forth and bud. Then she's, she goes on to the most important point and she says this, but turning from all other lesser representations. She says, yes, nature has this concept, but, the, but the fundamentally this is represented In this thing, she says, we behold God in Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, we see that it is the glory of our God to give. I do nothing of myself, said Christ. The living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father. I seek not mine own glory, but the glory of him that sent me. 
in these words is set forth the great principle, which is the law of life in the universe. There she says it, the law of life in the universe, a huge statement. Now she says that the whole person of our existence, nature, us, everyone, this principle of law of life was epitome, it, what Jesus epitomized this principle of your law of life. You think about it. You have been given a ministry. You have been given a ministry. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. You are be, been given a ministry. It is your responsibility to give to that ministry. But don't forget, you also need to take. You need to have a life source. You need to be inspired. Because when we talk about the life cycle, you know, and we talk about the tension between good and evil and the struggle between the flesh and the spirit, by no means do I recommend that you go into a corner and start, you know, fighting off those fleshly desires with your own sheer willpower that never works. If you think about it, you can, the only way for you, for you to live to God is to be inspired by God, is to go back to Genesis and be breathed from God. His air needs to breathe into your life. When that happens, when you are inspired by his love, doesn't exist from you. You don't self-generate it. You come and you receive it. Then you have the capacity, the generosity of mind. You are able to say, hey, I can give some. I can forgive. I can love. I know, you know, um, about three weeks ago, my little girl was sick. And, um, you know, I tell you, every single person has a ministry. And right now, one of my ministries is my children. And let me tell you, let me tell you, and my wife, <clears throat> it starts in the morning. So I have the, I have the privilege of saying, goodbye, family. Let me go into my office. <laughs> hug, hug, kiss, kiss. I'm out, right? And then I can tell that things are going bad in the middle of the day and toward the end of the day when I see the general um, sound level increase. And it starts very patient, but let me tell you, the kids take and take and take some more. And by the end of the day, you know, they're scraping at the bottom of the barrel, just like. And about three weeks ago, my daughter was sick and every little thing, she'd be just screaming 40 minutes, just 40 minutes. I'm just like, Right, and trying to, and I'm trying to um, be patient, and so the best, and I don't want to do it by force, and that's the crazy thing. I, um, God doesn't force us. Say, hey, listen, listen, you know, and I'm trying to teach her the right way. So she's screaming. Everything's, everything's, you know, frustrating to her, and so I'll come back to her and I'll say, Emmy. Um, She's, she's crying hysterically. I'm like, do you need a hug? Do you need a hug? She's like, no, I don't need a hug. I don't need a hug. <laughs> she starts hitting the air. No, no, no. And um, she's not, you know, but I should tell you that she's not, she's waking up like every hour in the nighttime. We're both not getting sleep. She's, um, and, and I'm like, 
do you need a hug? And she's like, no, I don't need a hug. So I exit the room. I exit the room. And um, I feel sorry for Jack because this is not my behavior when Jack was acting this way. But I've learned better now. And, and now I come back. I said, do you need a hug? She's like, no, I don't need a hug. Well, this goes on for a little while. But I can tell. I can tell something is happening. When I come back, I said, do you need a hug? She's like, no. She's like, she, her body wants to get there. But she's like, no. She gets mad at herself. No. And, but I can tell things are happening. Things are happening. And I'm like, yes, I'm breaking through. I'm breaking through. And eventually, I said, do you need a hug? She said, yeah. <sighs> Runs, gives me a hug. Holds on so tight. She said, and she's crying and she's crying. And that, at that point, at that point, I know it's over. It's over. And this is, this is what God essentially does to us. When we're, we're in our crucible in life. He knocks on the door and he said, hey, let me comfort. Let me soothe that pain. Let me, let me address that first. Let me hug you first. Let me bring you back. Let me bring you back. It's very important that when you are in a position of ministry, sometimes you're scraped out. And you need to be filled again. Um, I always tell this to, to actually, um, a prime example of this is I have no problem taking time for myself. Um, like if I see some fruit in the fridge that I like, I'll eat it, I'll eat some myself, and then I'll give some to my kids. Sometimes, if it's good, I'll just eat it all, and I'll just have no guilt about that, right? My wife, on the other hand, when she sees me, don't touch that, that's for the kids. She will not eat anything of that sort. In fact, she will not even address her own needs, and she'll just, she'll just uh, take care of the kids. Uh, it's, it's amazing to see that, because I'm like, how do you even, how do you survive that? But there is a time, there will be a time when you're scraped thin and the vicissitudes of life, the stresses of life are really you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. And when I think about that story, I'm reminded, or when I think about that situation, I'm reminded of the Samaritan woman who was used by so many people and so many uh, situations and it's what's interesting is that when Jesus approaches her, she's, he asks, even though she is empty, she, is, she has nothing, right? She's coming in, in a different part of the day. She doesn't want to see anybody. Can you give me something? And then you ask yourself like, what, God, why are you asking me this? You know all the things that I'm going through and you're asking me more things. Like, why would you ask me that? Of course, we know his response. He says that I'm not asking you because I'm actually uh, uh, wanting you to give me a drink. I'm asking you, it says, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink. He's only asking you so that you would ask him. And this is, again, is that, that fundamental concept is that we were created to 
for God's spirit to flow through us and to be inspired through us so that that may be spread out to others. There's one last verse I'd like to share. It says this. I don't know where that verse is, but it talks about the, the blessing of God and how it comes and it resides on you so that you have the capacity to share. Now, I don't know where you are in your life and what kind of challenges that God is bringing to your door or whether you're looking to something in your life where you're hoping in something. But just remember that in this life, one, you are in a cycle which means God's intentionally put it there to give you signposts, warning signs, and hopeful signs so that he knows he wants to guide you through that time. Number two, you aren't made to, to self-generate these things. If you feel like you're on rock bottom, you need to be inspired. Come closer to him. There is no other light that shines so bright than the one that is him. That is Jesus. And when you come close to him, you understand his suffering, you will be, begin to be filled and you, have, you will again have the capacity and you have the room to share. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this time. We've talked a lot about a lot of deeper things today. Uh, we understand, Lord, that we don't generate things. We get impressed by things and inspired by things, oh Lord. Help us to be inspired by your love. Fill us, fill our minds with that self-sacrificial love, Lord, that we, have the, then, that we then have the currency, oh Lord, to work and to be your hands and your feet in this world. I pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.